Welcome to another episode of Nashville Anthems, dissecting 80s and 90s country music. And special thanks to the Megans for playing us in this week. Is it country with a little bit of rhythm and blues? Or is it rhythm and blues with a little bit of country? Either way, we're going to keep pursuing until this fella gets through to the secret sauce that makes 80s and 90s country music particularly work. Slowly but surely, by picking apart the songs played on satellite radio's 80s and 90s country station, one at a time. Today we find ourselves pulled between two musical worlds, maybe more than that, (laughs) as we tackle a perhaps forgotten gem, Foster and Lloyd's 1987 hit, Crazy Over You. So, if you haven't already, I hope you'll pause this podcast and listen to Crazy Over You a few times. And now, let's get into it. First off, as always, we want to give credit where credit is due. Crazy Over You was written, produced, and recorded by the duo of Radney Foster and Bill Lloyd in 1987. That's right. Triple threat. They pulled that trick. It was released as the debut single from their self-titled debut album, which, by the way, I listened to that whole album as I was preparing for this episode, and it's good. If you're into the song Crazy Over You, and I have to say it grew on me the more I dug into it for this episode... I recommend that whole album to you. It all has kind of that same vibe, which we'll be getting very deeply into here shortly. The other track on that album that I remembered was the song Don't Go Out With Him. Remember that one? Excuse a little more restless heart than most of the album, but a solid cut nonetheless. But anyway, back to Crazy Over You. In addition to being Foster and Lloyd's first single, it was, in fact, their highest charting single, reaching number four on the country chart, beaten out by... Are you ready? Number three, I Want to Know You Before We Make Love by Conway Twitty. Thanks for letting us know, Conway. And number two is a classic by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. That's Fishing in the Dark. And at number one, Roseanne Cash with The Way We Make a Broken Heart. That was the long names era, evidently. Okay, that was four good bars of intro, but it's time to start the first verse. What is going on that makes this song what it is? The first thing I want to get into is the retro vibe of the song, which I'd call more of a 50s rock and roll or R&B vibe than a typical country one. This song has more in common with Elvis Presley than with Merle Haggard, right? Why do I say that? Well, first off, this song is very much a blues song, which is, of course, the B in R&B. We've had some bluesy songs on Nashville anthems before, to be sure, but this is the bluesiest. The 12-bar blues chord progression, the blue notes, pitch bends out the wazoo, that's stuff we've all seen before on this podcast, but this one takes it to a different level. The subject matter is that classic solitary lament about loss or unattainable love that's such a blues hallmark, and even the form of the song screams blues. There's no chorus per se, the form is really verse 1, verse 2, almost a chorus, but more like a bridge or a middle eight. Okay, I admit it's really a middle nine, because the song never goes back to it. But after that, it repeats the first verse and ends on an extended instrumental outro full of solos. That last part we saw in two Garth Brooks songs with heavy blues influence, Rodeo and Ain't Going Down to the Sun Comes Up. And as I said, we've had too many 12-bar blues songs 
to count at this point. But the blues form and classic subject matter of Crazy For You are the closest things we've had to really the heart of what you might think of as a pure classic blues song. It's such a hearkening to that, so retro, that it can't help but feel self-consciously so. But there's more to it, because on top of that classic blues vibe, you have a strong, repetitive, relentless, backbeat-heavy rhythm that's more upbeat than a classic blues song would be. And that idea is all over the bass line in this song. It's this pattern throughout the song. Even when it goes up to the four chord, it just shifts the pattern up a string on the guitar. But it's still all the same intervals, it's still the same pattern. And that repeats throughout Crazy Overuse. So the song is groove heavy, and it's so upbeat, in fact, for such a hard luck subject matter that the blues swing rhythm turns into more of a shuffle, such that this song about pining alone makes you want to dance with the crowd. So take blues, give it a strong rhythm, especially emphasizing the backbeat, and okay, I'm just going to say it, have a white guy or two sing it, and what do you have? Well, I just described rock and roll, at least as it was initially conceived in the 1950s. I'm talking acts like the aforementioned Elvis Presley, Buddy Holly, Jerry Lee Lewis, critical gap bridgers like Chuck Berry and Little Richard, all the non-Motown folks that influenced the Beatles and the Stones, basically. You know I can be found. In fact, if you're like me and you're hearing some George Harrison-like guitar in this song, I'd suggest that what you're really hearing is what Harrison cut his teeth on, what Harrison was hearing, if you will. Guys like Carl Perkins. And again, it's just too on the nose to be anything but self-conscious. This is a song that wants to be 50s retro. And so it is. Now, I want to highlight one particular musical element here that combines these ideas of classic blues and 50s rock and roll really well. And that's this three-note motif that shows up throughout the song. It's in the intro, turnarounds, it's in the vocals as well, and I played it earlier. It's this. Now, those three notes are B... C-sharp, and D. Crazy Over You is in the key of E. So those notes are the 5th, 6th, and minor 7th in the key of E, respectively. Notice that it's a minor 7th, the D natural in the key of E major. That, of course, is a blue note. It's an out-of-key note that shows up a lot in songs with blues tonality like this one. The minor 7th and its cousin... The minor third are the main blue notes. And we talked about those two a lot, in this same key, actually, in the rodeo episode, if you want to go back and give that one a listen. (laughs) 
So it's quite common to have a minor seventh play a prominent role in a blues song. It's practically mandatory, really. And the other two notes, B and C sharp, are relatively innocuous. Just kind of the small stair steps up to the stage that is that D natural. But the interesting thing is what happens when the song moves off of the E chord. Now, this is a blues thing. Sustaining or repeating a note or maybe a short run of notes while the music changes around it. And you end up with this cool effect of the singer or soloist steadfastly singing or playing something, sticking to his or her guns, as it were, while the song changes around him or her. It's kind of an essential thing about blues. Entrenchment in one's grief. Let the world keep turning if it wants to. I'll just stay here and... Drink? I guess this has more in common with Merle Haggard than I initially said. Okay, so with this three-note motif in Crazy Over You, you'll hear it over the E chord, the one chord as I described, but then the guitar unapologetically repeats it over the four chord and the five chord as well. And the D note really pushes the attitude when it does that. I mean, it goes from a dissonant blue note to nails on a chalkboard. This happens with the four chord especially. The four chord is an A in the key of E. That's A, C sharp, and E. So the D note is just kind of wedged in that tight space between the C sharp and the E, like an uninvited guest at a crowded dinner party. But it happens with the five chord too. The five chord is a B, a B major. D natural is the minor third of B, but it's a B major chord, so the D becomes a super blue note in that five chord. And playing this lick, you can hear two guitars, or it could be a single guitar that's double tripe. I don't think so. I think it's two different guitars, and I actually think it's a Telecaster and a Stratocaster. But regardless, it sounds like the two are slightly out of tune with each other, just slightly, enough to make it sound distorted and just kind of off. And it's jarring. That uncanny note is pretty in your face, and it's stubbornness to be heard. I feel like that's more of a rock and roll attitude, if you will, layered on top of some classic blues, which rock and roll was drawing from anyway, so just to make the whole influence map of this song that much more folded in on itself. So the song clearly and I think self-consciously looks backward. But there's also a forward trajectory with this song that we can see in hindsight. I mean, notice there really wasn't much country influence to speak of in Crazy Overused retro vibe, right? So let's see if we can find some country influence going in the other direction. I'm going to play that bass line again, and if you can, see if you can get Crazy Over You out of your head and hear this bass line with fresh ears, if you will. And tell me what early 90s country song it sounds like. Do you hear it? Out in the country, past the city limit sign, where there's a honk at Break out your best line dancing jeans, folks, because boot. Scootin' Boogie is all over the groove of this song. But I'm saying that backwards, right? Hmm. That's happened before on this podcast with Brooks and Dunn, hasn't it? It's Boot Scootin' Boogie that sounds like its predecessor, Crazy Over You. 
Both songs are in 12-bar blues, same key and everything, key of E. Even the non-12-bar blues, middle eight, okay, middle nine, of Crazy Over You sounds very much like the chorus of Boot Scootin' Boogie, at least the first four bars do. And Boot Scootin' Boogie's instrumental break before the final verse is reminiscent of Crazy Over You's instrumental outro. The two songs are also at about the same tempo, both with that dancey 4-4 shuffle beat I was talking about with the heavy rock and roll backbeat. I mean, pure and simple, it's just the same groove. Boot Scoot and Boogie has the same groove as Crazy Over You. And the later one, Boot Scoot and Boogie, being the far bigger and more enduring hit, true enough, but I tell you, once you hear it, it's hard to deny that the superstar songwriting vocal duo that came to fame a few years later owes a major debt to Foster and Lloyd. And notably, Brooks and Dunn's version of Boot Scoot and Boogie is actually a cover of the original 1990 version by Sleep at the Wheel, which has a substantially different but still a retro feel a la Crazy Over You. Out in the country past the city limits sign Asleep at the Wheels Boot Scootin' Boogie is channeling big band swing with horns and everything, while Brooks and Dunn's is pretty straightforward, neo-traditional honky-tonk, but a dancey version of honky-tonk, so less about getting drunk than about getting on the dance floor. And all three songs, both versions of Boot Scootin' Boogie and Foster and Lloyd's Crazy Over You, had this swing shuffle dancey rhythm, with Brooks and Dunn's and Foster and Lloyd's rhythms being, as I said, essentially identical. But even with those similarities, the vibes of all three songs are significantly different. And notably, Brooks and Dunn's Boots Gooten Boogie feels extremely of its time, while Crazy Over You, which is only a few years older, feels self-consciously of an earlier time. Now, we've labored that point, so let's now ask the question, since Foster and Lloyd's Crazy Over You and Brooks and Dunn's Boots Gooten Boogie are essentially indistinguishable in the rhythm section, what other DNA might they share that would explain why Crazy Over You, for all its retro vibe, was a top five hit on country radio in the same era as Boot Scoot and Boogie? Well, I think it's in the vocals and in the instruments. Okay, <laughs> those are the only two things it could be, fair enough, but let me elaborate. Radney Foster's lead vocal on Crazy Over You, while it absolutely and unapologetically harkens back to Elvis, also has a heavy dose of twang that does make it feel as much haggard as it does Presley. I mean, the truth is that that's always been a thin line anyway. But listen closely to Foster in this song, and I think you can hear Waylon Jennings in there as much as Buddy Holly. Listen, for example, to how he says, come on, sweet baby. Not come on, but come on. Come on sweet baby, let's give it. There's a drawl there. It actually sounds to me a lot like Kix Brooks's voice because there's some grit in there too, but it's all very down to earth. She was gone before I got home. 
Foster doesn't really sound like a big rock star here, and that's part of the song's charm. It feels a little bit like the kid next door impersonating Elvis, but all the time telegraphing his South Texas roots, unable to suppress them, if you will. So that's vocally. What about instrumentally? How is this song instrumentally country? Well, back to that three-note motif played by those two guitars. At least one of those guitars sounds like a Telecaster to me, as I said. If it's not, it's certainly got that Telecaster twang, which is the point. And that comes out heavily during the guitar solo and the outro as well. It seems to sit on it, to relish its twanginess in some way. It's putting it in your face, just like it did the dissonant note in that motif, especially with that intentional intonation issue that I mentioned earlier. Remember that Ain't Going Down to the Sun Comes Up's 12-bar blues outro had a soloing Stratocaster significantly for its stronger association with rock and roll. But Crazy Over You sticks with that Telecaster twang, and it feels right at home in late 80s country. But the big standout instrumentally is the pedal steel. So there's really no rhythm guitar on this song. Don't let Radney Foster in the video fool you. He's just keeping his hands busy with that unplugged acoustic like we talked about in the God Bless Texas episode. But that's part of what gives Crazy Over You that certain sparseness compared to something like Boot Scootin' Boogie's clear honky-tonk setup, which does include an acoustic rhythm guitar on top of the fiddle and barroom piano that Crazy Over You also does not have. The steel guitar in places takes over that rhythm guitar function. It plays these punchy chords that mimic a muted rhythm guitar, like you might associate with the era of the aforementioned Carl Perkins. But the pedal steel's role in the song is similar to not just rhythm guitar, but really more like a Hammond B3 organ. It's laying that harmonic pad that the guitars dance around in. And where have we heard that before? Well, it's common in honky-tonk music in general, but it was specifically featured in another Brooks and Dunn song, Neon Moon, which has a very, very different vibe from any other song we've mentioned so far in this episode. And steel guitar is really a versatile instrument like that, and that helps it be kind of the star of Crazy Over You instrumentally. So featuring pedal steel like that really would have no business in a 50s rock and roll song, but it feels like your favorite sweater when a late 80s country song puts it on, right? And that's what Foster and Lloyd do on Crazy Over You, and it works. So, what can we say in conclusion? Well, to be sure, in Crazy Over You, we have an 80s country song that screams 50s R&B and rock and roll, and it seems to have fun doing it. But we also have one that I think this is pretty undeniable, influenced some uber-popular country music that came soon after it. And maybe the larger takeaway here is, as I kind of alluded to earlier, that line is thin. Country artists drawing from rock and roll and vice versa is by no means new. In fact, it's arguably an essential part of the identity of both of those genres. So it will be fun going forward to keep our ears open for more of that early rock and roll influence on the country music of the 80s and 90s. But for now, let's close the book on Crazy Over You and find out 
what song we'll be covering on our next episode of Nashville Anthems. To that end, I'm going to pull up Satellite Radio's 80s and 90s country station right now and see what's playing. The song is Faith Hill, Wild One. I look forward to getting into that one with you in two weeks. Until then, you can write me at MeltonMcMainerberry at gmail.com or connect with me by looking up Nashville Anthems on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we'll turn to the Megans to play us out. Bye for now. I gotta go. I just noticed something.